0: Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Tonight, we're going to finish a series that was started several weeks ago. And uh, I hope you enjoyed last Wednesday with uh, Leah Lee and uh, this Sunday with Pastor Timothy Lee. Just amazing people. And uh, what a uh, challenging word. And, and uh, again, I hope you uh, had the opportunity to listen to her message specifically last Wednesday. Um, great, great testimony. But tonight we're going to finish a series that we started a few weeks ago. And um, it was last year that Kristen and I felt uh, to, as we began to pray about what we would teach at Growth University... Uh, we felt the need to teach on prayer, um, as we probably will often, but we felt compelled to specifically not just talk about how to pray or how to say certain things to God. Uh, we felt that uh, we wanted to talk about the listening component to prayer, how to hear the voice of God in our life. And we uh, came across the resource, some of you I think might have even went through it as a life group, we've done it maybe in different scenarios, but Mark Batterson's book Whisper uh, we used as a guide and have used to outline certain aspects of prayer and I think it, it just gives us a, a kind of a platform to build the case that God wants to speak to us. That our relationship with God is not a one-sided relationship where we just talk to God and we hope that somehow it translates into action. We believe, and I think scripture proves out in our own personal experience, that God is speaking to us. Exodus chapter 33, and this is just a little bit of an overview, but Moses would enter into the tent, and the Bible said the pillar of cloud would descend in verse number 9. The cl- pillar of cloud would descend, and, and the, he would stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord, the Bible said, would speak to Moses. The people would see it in verse number 11 tells us, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Isn't that a great way to talk to God? Someday that's how we're gonna talk to God. But God wants to speak to us and we can look through scripture And we can look at it and realize that God was constantly speaking from the beginning of time all through Scripture to his people. The example was used um, about Tomatis, uh, who was a doctor. And there was an opera singer, Kristen mentioned this, there was an opera singer who was in a crisis, and his career was in free fall, and he had mysteriously lost his ability to sing certain notes, to hit certain notes, ones that were typically well within his range. And he, he struggled with, how did I lose the ability to sing these notes? And so the singer went to all kinds of ENT specialists, and they uh, tried to help him. But they all came to the same conclusion. He had a vocal problem. There was something wrong with his throat. However, he visited Dr. Tomatis, and Dr. Tomatis realized there's something else going on here. And so he used a sonometer and discovered that the opera singer produced sound waves of 140 decibels, At a meter's distance. That's how loud an opera singer sings. Some of you may think that our services are that loud. In fact, they're not that loud. Um, We keep them at 80 and 90, if I'm correct, 80 90 decibels, which is typically around what Disney keeps their shows around. So, just for clarification, if anybody ever wondered, we know we've got some hot spots through the building. I'm helping Forrest, I'm just helping. I'm helping just clarify something. Just seemed like a good segue. So, um, but 140 decibels an opera singer can can sing, and that's that's a pretty that's that's slightly louder than a military jet taking off. And so the sound is even louder though in the person's in the singer's skull. And so this was a uh, really defining moment for Dr. Tomatis as he realized that. Uh, the opera singer was hearing and singing in ways that was extremely loud. And what happened was the opera singer had become deafened by the sound of his own voice. He'd become deaf to the sound of his own voice. And so according to this doctor, um, he explained that it's a bit bizarre, but it's simple, that if you cannot hear a note... You cannot sing the note. You can't hear the note. You can't sing the note. And so Dr. Tomatis put it this way, the voice can only produce what the ear can hear. The voice can only produce what the ear can hear. And so this discovery is known as the Tomatis effect. I might have a graphic there. Uh, to show you a little bit of what he was talking about with the ear. So, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 9, contains what I believe to be one of the more powerful statements in Scripture. It's where Samuel is trying to understand what's going on, and he's with the prophet Eli, and he's hearing things, but he doesn't know where it's coming from. And so, Eli said to Samuel, Go to lie down, and if he calls to you, you shall say, Say to God, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And we realize that this is still the correct question that we should be, or a statement we should be saying to God. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Because really. We can't do what God wants us to do if we can't hear the voice of God. The voice, our voice, can only produce what the ear can hear. And so we are praying. We should pray, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And so when we consider the the prayer... Prayer is not just us speaking to God and and that's a very important aspect of prayer but prayer is also hearing the voice of God. 1 Kings chapter 19 talks about the prophet Elijah, Elijah who had this incredible moment with God where fire falls and then he becomes afraid of Jezebel, and he goes and hides in a cave, and we talked about that several weeks ago in a sermon, but the scripture tells us that God brought him near and said in verse number eleven, "Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountains, broken pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in an earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Think about that now. Fire being was the last way in which he really experienced the power of God. And sometimes we can get trapped into expecting to hear God the exact same way that we heard God the last time or we had this incredible moment with God. And so we keep thinking that's the way he's going to speak to us again. But Elijah, God told Elijah, this is not how I'm going to speak to you. He said that after the fire, the sound of a low whisper, the low whisper. And what happens when somebody whispers? What happens? We tune in, we lean in, we stop, we get real intentional. And I think that's what God is trying to say is that I'm not just going to overwhelm you with sound all the time. I'm not just going to overwhelm you with these experiences. I want you to intently put your ear to what I'm trying to say, to listen to what I am trying to say. John chapter 10, verse 1, Truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. Do you know the voice of God? Do you know the voice of God? Says a stranger, they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the strangers. Isn't that powerful? And so In considering prayer, considering our relationship with God, God wants to speak to us. And sometimes it's easier to just hear ourselves. Sometimes it's easier to hear others. Sometimes it's easier to listen to the enemy in our life than to actually hear what God is trying to say to us. And so we're challenged by the thought, is God's voice the loudest voice in our life? Is God's voice the most important voice in our life? Or is it our voice that's the loudest? Is it media's voice? Is it our families? Is it our the voice of our past that ends up being louder than everything else? Mark Batterson says we live in a culture where everyone wants a voice, but most have little to say. He says we need to listen. More, We need to hear and recognize God's voice in our life. Why do we want to hear God's voice? So that, again, we can bless others. This is not just for our benefit so we can say we have this connection with God. The gifts of the Spirit that we talk about often, those nine gifts of the Spirit are not intended so we can appear as spiritual before men, but so that people can be lifted and people can be encouraged. So I need to hear the voice of God. If I'm really going to bless people around me and love people around me, I have to hear the voice of God. And so what we realize is, and, and what Kristen began to share was the idea that God doesn't speak the same way every time. Everyone say amen. God doesn't speak the same way every time. And so she introduced to us four out of seven ways that Mark Batterson in his book Whisper talks about God speaking to us. So let me recap quickly some of those. The first is scripture that God speaks to us through Scripture. God speaks to us through Scripture. And we probably are most familiar with Scripture. So we, you hear it taught, you've probably taught it if you're a Sunday school teacher or you've been around church any length of time or you have children, you talk about you need to read your Bible, you need to read your Bible. And that is absolutely true because God's Word is an absolute reflection of His will. So, reading the Word of God illuminates God's voice. It is God's voice to us, um, and it is important that we hear the word of God. You being here tonight, you being a part of Wednesday night services, you going through uh, assimilation, going through Purpose Institute, going through personal Bible studies. All those things are important because it illuminates scripture and God speaks through scripture. I've said this before. I remember as a kid, my Sunday school teacher telling me that you'll never, never go to a service or a a lesson or anything where the word of God is taught or read where you can't get something out of it. No matter how bad the preacher is or speaker is, no matter how boring the subject matter is, if the word of God is revealed and read, you can get something out of it. That's my only hope tonight that I, I'm gonna actually read scripture. <laughs> And I, I, that Sunday school teacher allows me great confidence when I preach because if I just read the Bible, you'll get something. You'll get something out of it. So preaching and teaching are important. But Mark Batterson says this, we don't just read the Bible. The Bible actually reads us. The Bible is a mirror. It reveals our own uh, inadequacies, inadequacies are our sins. It, it reveals a lot about us, and we should read the Bible and let it reveal our hearts. Second thing was desires. God speaks through our desires. I think this one's the trickiest, maybe, of them all, because sometimes our desires are feeling. We know we're not supposed to live by feeling, but I do believe God puts desires in us. God gives us desires. Desires were present before sin. There were things in Eve that desired things that uh, were present before sin. And the Bible says in Psalms chapter 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll put desires in you. So uh, desires, things that you might enjoy, things that you want to do. God wants to take our desires and purify them for his purpose. Often God... Uh, I'll say often, not, not every day, but there are seasons in my life where I realize God speaks to me through desire. And for me, it's a feeling of joy. It's a feeling of joy I get about a particular task as it relates to the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, or this church. And there's a desire that's put in me that I didn't have a day ago or three days ago. Many times it happens in prayer in the morning where a desire comes in, and that desire won't leave me. It's a joy. It's a task, but it's a joy. It's something that I want to do, and I realize God is leading me by that desire. And uh, even right now, there's a, a project that I'm working on that I realize, I know that God put it in my heart to do. It's a desire. It's a joy. Uh, it's going to take work, but it's, it's, a, it's a joy. And I, I, I realize, and maybe you've had that, where all of a sudden you have this desire and it's this, this thing in you that you can't escape. So God speaks through desires. God speaks through doors. God speaks through doors. God will sometimes speak to us through opportunities that come in life. Maybe you've experienced that through a job, an opportunity that you prayed about, and all of a sudden, God opens a door. Sometimes these are opportunities that open, and sometimes these are opportunities that shut. God shuts doors. Several years ago, I was working on purchasing a business, and I had done a lot of work in securing the details of the business. I had met several times with the person I was purchasing it from. I had met several times with an attorney I was working with, setting up all the documents, setting up all uh, the contract that would be between me and the person I was purchasing it. And the contract, we we spent several months meeting, working through this, and uh, the contract was written. The details were set. We, were, we had an agreed-upon time and place where we were going to meet and we were going to sign the documents for uh, this transaction to take place. And as I am driving to meet the person, to sign, literally sign the documents, she calls and says, we've decided not to sell it. I, I was disappointed, to say the least, Um, because I had invested time, money, uh, into getting this set up. But I felt the whisper of God. I felt the whisper of God, and in that moment, I knew he had shut the door. And to this day, I am not exactly sure why. I don't know the particulars of why God shut that door, Uh, but I knew God was protecting me. God was keeping me. This was before I was even elected pastor of this church. I was here, but I wasn't elected. I don't know if it has anything to do with any of that timing. I'm not trying to put that on God and and try to force him to give me an answer. All I knew was God had shut the door, and I was okay with it, and uh, okay in the sense that I accepted it. God speaks to us through dreams. Dreams are stories and images that our minds create while we sleep. They can be entertaining. They can be fun, disturbing, frightening, all those things. But God can speak to us in our subconsciousness, and this is found often in in the Bible uh, where God spoke to Jacob and Joseph and Peter through dreams. One of my most vivid experiences of this was a few years ago as God began to restore the unity of the apostolic churches in Cincinnati, and I shared this uh, before, but I was going to preach uh, at Grace Point Church on Sunday, August 28, 2016. And that evening, uh, as I went to bed that night while I slept, I dreamed that I met Bishop Sizemore. And uh, this is Danny Sizemore and Silesia Wheeler's father who helped pretty much start that church, Grace Point Church. And I dreamed that I met him, and he was sitting on the couch next to me, and we talked, and he was casual in his appearance and had his glasses on. And I don't recall, I I couldn't recall when I woke up the conversation that we had, only knowing that I was honored to be in the room with him. But what struck me was at the conclusion of this dream and our time together, he reached his hand over to mine, and he grabbed it, and he prayed for me. And I felt it was God revealing to me as I went into that service that morning, preaching at Grace Point, um, and knowing that evening we were having the first one service, I, I felt that God revealed to me that prayers have already been prayed for that day, and prayers had already been prayed for the season that we're in in Cincinnati. And I, I think God can speak to us through dreams, I I certainly have had my fair share of dreams that I'm like, no, that's not God. <laughs> but but God can, and He uses. I, I you know maybe you've experienced. I've had visions, things that were in the subconscious, so to speak, where not a lot, but realize that God speaks through through that, and that's very clear in Scripture and in experience. Then there's three more languages I want to identify tonight uh, that ways that God speak. They all start with P. So the first one was scripture. The next three started with the letter D. And these three start with the letter P. The next way God speaks to us is through people. God speaks through us to us through people. We aren't meant to be in solitary confinement as a Christian. You aren't meant to be in solitary confinement as a Christian. You're meant to be in relationship with one another because God speaks through people to you. Has anybody ever had somebody in your life speak directly to you about things in your life? I'm not talking about a sermon or a prophecy. I'm talking about somebody in your life who spoke to you. And our first reaction many times when people speak to us is we're, we're resistant, we're hesitant, we're And so that's why it's important to be in relationship with people so that God can easily speak through people in your life and through the body of Christ. And uh, we see that clearly in Corinthians where he talks about we help one another, we edify one another. God created us to be in relationship to one another. There were two guys that came up with a certain way to view personality and identity, and I think it's just uh, interesting to consider. It's called the Joe Harry Window. Joe Harry Window, and their names were Joe and Harry. Thus, the name Joe Harry. No lie, that's that's it. Um, the Joe Harry Window is four quadrants that make up who we are. They they identified four quadrants and maybe you've heard this before. The first quadrant is called the arena quadrant. And so that's what you know, what you know about you and what others know about you. So if if it's the things you know about you and the things that others know about you, it's your public persona that that makes up an element of who you are, right? So that's your like Facebook life That's what you post for everybody to see. And so it's called the arena, the arena quadrant. Then the second quadrant is the things that you know about you, but others don't know about you. And this is called the facade quadrant. And it's, it's what you know about you that no one else knows. It's who you are when nobody's watching. And it makes up who you are. Makes up who you are. And y'all are getting nervous. I'm not going to talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, we, we get it. We got it. We're good. The third quadrant is the blind spot quadrant. It's what you don't know about you, but others know about you. This is when you don't know something about yourself, but everybody else knows this about you. It's a blind spot for you. It's, you know, like if your zipper's down when you're getting ready to walk on the stage. It happens. It happens. I remember when I was a kid, my dad was preaching one time. And my dad likes to move around when he preaches. And he got out front, and he's preaching and his zippers wide open. And my mom is just, she's like waving them down, trying to get them. And so finally, he realizes, oh boy, okay, so classic dad gets behind the pulpit, I want everybody to pray. (laughs) And so everybody prays, he zips up his zipper, and they just continue on with service. So if anybody in the middle of their message calls for a prayer, you never know why, you never know why. The truth is we all have blind spots. Literally, where the optic nerve passes through the optic disc, all of us have a blind spot. And it's approximately 7.5 degrees high and 5.5 degrees wide. And this is why we need people in our life, spiritual people in our life. God speaks through people. There are people in your life who can see things that you don't see. Our whole concept of belong is around this concept that we need people in our life to dig up the rocks and pull out the weeds in our life. Yeah, we, we know of a few things in our hearts. We know of some areas in our life, but there's a lot more things that we don't know about ourselves that people know about us that God can use people to help speak into our life. And so don't be resistant to people trying to help you and speak into your life. I think you've got to be uh, uh, careful, of course, to make sure that it fits the Word of God, that it, that it doesn't contradict what God has already declared in His Word, but allow people to speak into your life. The Bible's full of examples of prophets and fathers and mothers and brothers, sisters, uncles, friends, even enemies that God uses people to speak into our lives. I remember driving down the highway. I was just, uh, I think I was out of Bible school. It was early, out of high school, I know that. I was driving down the highway with my dad, and it was uh, 77 North, the highway that runs through Canton. I remember almost where we were when he said it, but it was nothing special that we were doing that I remember, but all of a sudden he turns to me And he says, you need to be careful about the girl that you're dating. Now, I didn't, again, it wasn't like, thanks, Dad, that's awesome. Thank you very much for that. I I was, my initial response was, yeah, whatever, whatever. But um, it was very important. It helped me. It helped me. And uh, I, I did not end up really pursuing it much f- further, but it was, it was an important moment for me to realize that, number one, he would be that bold to say that and that he loved me that much to say, hey, I care about you. And the reason I could somewhat receive it from him was because he's my dad and I our relationship was close enough that I could receive what he had to say. And so people will many times help you in life and you have to be open to that. The, the uh, next thing is promptings. Number six is prompting. God speaks to us through promptings. Thoughts or feelings that move us to action. Now, this isn't a desire. This is not... This is a little bit different than desire. This is not something I want to do and I feel this joy. This is just a prompting of, hey, you need to do this. And God speaks to us that way because effective action in our life is all about timing. Effective action in our life is all about timing. It's baseball season. Weather's starting to get warm. I love baseball. Go Reds. They go meh, nah. um, okay. No, I like the Reds. It's it's awesome. So, in in hitting uh, a baseball, timing is everything. How many played baseball? You've played baseball, softball, ladies. You can raise your hand. And I see some ladies. Yeah. All right. In, in hitting a baseball, timing is everything. A batter must hit a now. Now think about this: a two point eight six inch diameter baseball that travels 60 feet and 6 inches in .043 seconds, all right? This small projectiles flying that fast, and it takes, it takes one-fifth of a second for the retina to receive incoming messages, all right? And by then, the ball is already halfway to the plate. So a batter in professional baseball, by the time the ball is halfway to them... They are just now receiving the information that they need to swing the bat and hit the ball. The margin of error between a swing and a miss and a swing and a hit is just 10 milliseconds between whether somebody hits the ball or misses the ball. That's 15 times faster than the blink of an eye. And so how do you hit a high inside fastball going 90 miles an hour or a wicked curveball that can break up to 17.5 inches? How do you do that? It's twofold. It's vision and it's timing. It's vision and it's timing. Vision without timing equals a swing and a miss. Timing without vision equals a swing and a miss. Vision and timing are vital for us accomplishing God's work in the world. And many times the promptings of God are necessary for us to accomplish his will. It's a nudge, go pray for that person. It's a nudge, go talk to that person, text that person, email that person, reach out to that person. It's those quick promptings that have all to do with timing. And so realizing that God speaks to us through prompting. Now, if you're like me, I'm an introvert. I'm gonna have a. I have an arguing match with God every time. Every prompting that comes, I have an arguing match with God. I don't know if that was really God. I don't know uh, if I should do this. I don't, I don't, what if they get embarrassed? What you know? And it's really all about my pride. It has nothing to do with them. But we must be aware of the timing we are in. Discerning the voice of God requires an internal clock that perceives his promptings. Biblical examples, King Solomon said, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. The men of Issachar had, had what? Understanding of their time. This has been something I feel like the Lord has... Uh, Helped me, been patient with me about it. Something that I've wrestled with since I was uh, early. Uh, I can remember wrestling with the promptings of God as a as a teenager in high school and being prompted to talk to people, prompted to uh, pull over and talk to people on the street. Those kind of things. I, I remember that the learning, trying to learn, and about the promptings of God, but specifically. The over the last number of years with the purchase of the Bishop Center. God has really helped me and been patient with me and shown me the value of promptings. I have a, kept a journal as the whole Bishop's Center thing unfolded. Uh, and for, for me, we, we, we started the Uh, capital campaign, the Promise Project, in, in 2014, so in May or April of 2014, and we had no inclination about that property. Some of you felt prompted to pray. Some of you, at different times, I think, prayed for that, but it wasn't on my radar. It wasn't on Pastor Pasley's radar in any way, and so we had actually drawn up and have drawings for this area because that's what we thought the Promise Project was actually going to go towards. But it was in early of 2015, so less than a year later, and I was reading The Circle Maker. And in my journal, in my book, The Circle Maker, I wrote on February 2nd, 2015, I, I prayed and I wrote Temple Baptist Church in February of 2015. I, I just prayed about it. There were some other things that probably led me to think about it. But uh, Prayed specifically about it in February of 2015. It was on Wednesday, September of 2015. So uh, some number of months later, I remember being in my office upstairs and just preparing for the Wednesday, and I felt the prompting of God. I felt the prompting of God on September 30th, 2015, to go over to Temple Baptist. I didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just felt like I was supposed to go over there and explore the opportunity, not the building, explore the opportunity to have some kind of conversation. So, my intention in going there was to leave a note with the secretary to say, hey, I want to talk to the pastor. And because I had nothing to say, I literally had nothing. To say, so I just wanted to set up the meeting, and then i 'd go back to my office, and then I would determine, okay, what am I going to say? How can we present this? Uh, I like to think about things before I speak, but so when I walk in to the office there, that 1970s office that 's over there, I walk in, and the receptionist i said i 'd like to maybe set up a meeting to talk to Dr. Horsley. And she said, you know what, he's here. Why don't you, uh, I was like, no, 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 no I'm okay, I'm okay, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, I'll come back, it's not a problem, I know he's busy, it's Wednesday night, pastors are busy on Wednesday night, getting ready for midweek Bible study. So uh, she's like, no, 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 no. He, he'll want to see you, come in. So there we sat. And thankfully, he's, he was a good talker. And so I was a good listener. And so he talked and he talked, and I, but I, was, I, knew, I knew God wanted something in the moment, and I'm waiting for the prompting of God. I'm waiting for the moment, and I, I remember the moment. I'm not going to bore you with that, but I remember the moment in the conversation where God gave me what to say. And so I asked him, you know, if you ever decide to sell this property, we would be interested in purchasing it. And so that started a little dialogue, and nothing much came out of it other than, okay, that's not a problem. And so I left feeling good that he was open to it. He didn't shut me down. I felt good that he didn't shut me down. But it would be then February of 2016 that again I felt to go over there. We didn't have any further dialogue, didn't do anything else. But So again, four or five months later, I felt back to go back over there. But in my journal, I, I had to be honest. I said, felt to go over to Temple Baptist to talk to him again, but felt fear and didn't go. It was that prompting, because I, I, I knew what I wanted, but I started... You know, backpedaling, I don't know, maybe I'm being too forceful, maybe I'm, you know, you start justifying everything. But then on March 2nd, 2016, I stopped by. Nobody was there, and I don't think we have AV or anything, but I have a note. I I left, this time I left the note. Nobody was there, and that's when I explored the building looking for Pastor Horsley. (laughs) And uh, so I left the note. And I took a picture of that note when I left it. I took a picture of it. And, um, again, didn't know anything. And then two days later, Pastor Pasley and I went over there and talked to him and began a dialogue where he said, make us an offer. And, you know, Fast forwarding all of that, when I look back, when I look back and realizing that then it went into foreclosure and we were prepared, we knew, our ears were to the ground, we were set up, we were ready to go, I look back and I realize how valuable the prompting of God was. That just simple prompt of God that brought fear, there was no joy in it for me, there was no like, this is a great desire, it was an awful feeling. It, it, and, and I just look back on that and I realize God's teaching me, I hope he's teaching us, to just be obedient to his promptings, to be obedient to what he's trying to do. And it's not this grand voice from heaven. It wasn't a sermon. It was just this quick nudge of the Spirit. Nothing dramatic. I wasn't even praying when I felt to go over there. I just felt the nudge of God. And so I... Realize how valuable promptings are. And so when God prompts us to pray. We should pray. If he wakes us up in the middle of the night. Just pray. If he prompts you to fast. Don't wait for somebody to put out a call to fast fast. If he prompts you to serve somebody. Or help somebody. Or speak to somebody. How many things. Maybe we miss. Because it's all about timing. I realize sitting today, actually how close we were maybe to missing that. Not, and maybe God would have spoke to somebody else, and I hope he would have. But I, I realize that we can somehow, sometimes miss that window, that clear window that God has. And so I encourage you to do that in our services Obey the promptings of God, even if it seems silly. I remember, Charlotte, you shared something early years ago about somebody you felt prompted to pray with and to the gifts of the Spirit, and you felt like what God was telling you to say was very silly. It was basically telling them, I think they were beautiful or something like that. It was very simple, and it seemed silly to you. It seemed, but it was the prompting of God, and it was very meaningful to the person you shared it with. And finally, the last thing as I conclude tonight before we go into our at time, and this one I think we all can relate to, and that is pain. God speaks to us through our pain. God speaks to us through our pain. Uh, We don't have time. I won't get into it, but you can read about people who don't feel pain. There are people who have a... uh, Uh, An issue in their body where they don't feel pain in in our quick thinking, we would say, man, that would be awesome. That would be great. But in reality, it's very dangerous when you don't feel pain. Pain has a purpose and God can speak through your pain. And it's important for us to feel pain sometimes. Read Second Corinthians 11, verse 23. Paul, I I don't know. I, I don't think he was playing a violin but he said I are they servants of Christ I am a better one I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked and a night and a day I was adrift at sea, at frequent journeys and danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, dangers in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. He's got issues, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there besides all that, the daily pressure of me, of my anxiety for all the churches. And the orchestra is playing loudly. The music is crescendoing. And if you continue down through chapter 12... He says, so to me, verse 7, to keep me, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with God about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me me. So we have to, if we're going to really make an impact in people's lives, we have to learn to praise God in our pain, to learn to testify in our pain. And that may take years. It may take years of processing, years of healing for that ability to be there. But as we learned, even last week, when you hear what's the greatest impact that many times, Uh, is on our life, is when we hear somebody share their testimony, share their struggle, their pain. Last week here in Leah Lee's testimony did something for us. It, it, It allowed us to have a perspective not only of, man, that was a difficult scenario, but wow, look how far God is able to reach and bring people. And that's why your pain, you can't just act like it never happened or hope it never happened, but realize God wants to use your pain for his glory. It's what Joseph said to his brothers. He said, do not fear for am I in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. What you meant for evil, what the enemy meant to destroy your life, God can actually make something beautiful out of it. I am always reminded of Dr. Lonnie Lewis who said don't waste your hurt. A guy who spent a lot of years in prison, drug addiction, a messed up life, but realizes the power of grace, the power of mercy, and ends up changing his life and his life statement was, don't waste your hurt. If you're going to go through it, you might as well make something good out of it with God. Amen. Amen. And so we all have stories. We all have things in our life that God is healing us of, helping us with, but God at the end of the day wants to use our story for his glory. And so he will speak to us through our pain. Now, quickly, our app time. I want you to just take a few minutes here. We'll take three minutes. And of these things that we've talked about, these three languages, uh, we, we can, if you feel all seven, if there's one of the seven um, to talk about, but they are Scripture, desires, doors, dreams, people, promptings, and pain. I want you to talk to the person next to you and tell them, share with them, which one of these ways do you feel like God speaks to you the most? Which one of these ways does God speak to you the most? Or give an example of a time where God spoke to you through one of these scenarios. They are scripture, desires, doors, dreams, people, promptings, and pain. We'll crank up the app music, which is silence. Silence. And talk to the person next to you. All right. You got three minutes. All right. Wonderful. Why don't you stand this evening? I, I'm waiting for that day when I can do the Bishop Pasley out before dark guarantee. I'm excited about that. But it's not, it's not tonight. So anyway, well, I want to pray for us that the Lord would just continue to speak to us and that we would have confidence that he's speaking to us in different ways for different reasons and that we would be obedient to his timing. Lord, I thank you for this gathering tonight. I thank you for the opportunity to just reflect on the fact that you love us, you care about us, but you are not distant from us, that every day... God, you want to speak to us some way, whether it's just a simple scripture or it's through the people in our life or some circumstance in our life that you're looking to speak to us. I pray that we would be sensitive to it. That as we bow our knees in prayer every day, as we read your word every day, as we fast weekly, I pray, God, that you would speak to us. Let the clarity of your voice be heard so that we can speak what you're asking us to speak, God, because we cannot say anything that's of you without hearing your voice. And I pray, make your voice clear to us that we would accomplish your great work in this city. In Jesus' name, amen.